Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. New England is known for its charming towns, comforting foods, and of course its historical contributions. But the Down East region can have a dark side. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and on my weekly podcast, Dark Down East, I dig into both decades-old and modern-day cases from my home state of Maine and the greater New England area. In each episode of Dark Down East, I seek insight from law enforcement officials, family members, and other loved ones who are both deeply familiar with the cases and the individuals at the heart of them. Join me as I unveil intricacies of these stories that are often overlooked, honor the grit of those searching for justice, and shine a light on cases that you aren't hearing on other podcasts. Listen to Dark Down East now, wherever you're listening. Hi, and welcome to this week's Proof Sidebar. I'm here with Kevin Fitzpatrick and Jacinda Davis to discuss episode 15 of our series on the case of Lee Clark and Kane Story. So, two weeks ago now? Three weeks ago? Time kind of blurs together. Um, We made our most recent and perhaps final for a while trip to Rome, Georgia. Um, It hadn't been a planned trip, but after we talked to the families of Brian Bowling and Lee's father, and they had wanted to meet each other, um, we decided to arrange to uh, travel back to Rome and to be there for it. I have to say, when we first interviewed Michael, I don't know if you remember me saying this to you guys, but I felt like Michael and Glenn should meet and that I could see it unfolding that way. Um, you did. You said exactly that. Yeah. So when when Michael actually did reach out and express interest in meeting Glenn, I was really, really happy about that. And then soon after that, Amanda sent Glenn a message Um so it was not anything that we uh, encouraged them to do or told them to do. It was something that they they um, they did on their own. And it's not something I would have expected to happen either. Um, I say that. So from the very first time I met Brian's family, it was obvious to me that they were very interested in finding out what had happened to Brian. They, they thought that Lee and Kane were guilty, but they knew there's stuff they didn't know. And you could tell they had a genuine willingness and desire to find out exactly what occurred, even at the risk of potentially finding out information that they didn't expect or want. It takes a lot of uh, courage to open those wounds again and go down a path when you already thought you had the answers. It does. And I I remember thinking like I could see them maybe a bit one day far in the future, perhaps revisiting their opinions on the case. It wouldn't have crossed my mind that over the course of the season of our show that they would, because it's such a difficult journey for families to go through um, and not something I'd ever expect from anyone because it's such an emotionally difficult and trying experience to go through. I know that Amanda 
when we interviewed her and Kenneth in say December, they were both very convinced and certainly Amanda was that both Lee and Kane were there and both of them were responsible. I mean, there was no sort of hesitation in her mind or in her tone at that moment. And so to see that, that transformation from listening to the podcast is pretty extraordinary. And even during the season, it's it was clear that, you know, from a few messages exchanged that they still believed they were guilty. I think they, they did believe that, but they also, like you said, Susan, they had a lot of questions. And I think it was both Michael and Amanda who said early on that if it was Kane who did this and it was intentional, he couldn't have done it by himself. Lee had to have been there, right? So again, it, it was that sort of making sense of something that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Trying to fit the pieces they have together. Right. Um, and they thought they mostly fit, but they were, they've always been aware that, you know, those pieces aren't actually matching up quite the way they're supposed to. Um, but yeah, so we were there for the meeting. Um, I've certainly never experienced something like that in all the cases I've worked on. And yeah, what, for me, one of the more heartbreaking moments was when Michael expressed his hope that something can be done quickly now to help Lee and Kane. Um, and knowing that that's not how any of this works. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that stood out to me from the meeting was uh, you had these three people who had just been torn apart for decades by this case and by this tragedy. And Michael and Amanda have, they've lost Brian and there's been so much pain in their family because of that. Glenn's been suffering through all of this. And I think that there was a genuine moment of sort of love and hope between them, that maybe between the three of them, they can work together and try and, and fix this. You know, I think that's what Michael was saying. And I think there's this, this sort of desperation for all of them to try and put people's lives back together after decades of them being sort of lost. Yeah. And there are, are absolutely things that can be done and are being done, but it can be a really slow progression. Yeah, it's going to take them a while. I mean, and as you say, I don't think that they realize that. I mean, in their minds, they understand that nobody's at fault here and they want to get these guys out of jail and they want to put Glenn's pain to rest. I mean, that was one of the most sort of telling moments of it all. I mean, Michael really expressing the guilt that they feel. I mean, they had nothing to do with it, but they feel this guilt and I think they want to they want to ease Glenn's pain. They want to make this right so that Brian's death isn't somehow associated with this continuing tragedy. And it's just not going to happen quickly. They can't just pick up the phone and call someone and say, please let these guys out and make this go away. Technically, the DA could go a long ways to speeding things along. Um, so there's always that. I guess I'll call it a hope. But the system always protects itself. In trying to decide what's harder to convince the family of a victim or to convince the system, I'm, I would have said before it's probably about equal, but actually no. It's clearly harder to, to convince the system that it made a mistake than it is to convince the families of victims overall. What kind of impact, like legally, I mean, it's hard to gauge, but, you know, of, say Michael and Amanda writing letters to parole boards or reaching out to the DA or, I mean, 
I don't know how um, it could or would have any effect in terms of the legal system, in terms of like the either AG's office or the um, DA and any claims that Kane or Lee might have to raise in court. Uh, but it absolutely could make a difference for the parole board. So if and whenever Lee and Kane are up for parole again, it sounds like Brian's family wants to write letters of support for them. And that could very much go a long ways towards helping them get parole, um, especially because they're both claiming innocence. And it's just so hard to get parole in that circumstance. Um, having the, the victim's family on board with it would be a pretty huge deal, I think. Yeah. I mean, those are the people that should want them in jail the most. And they want them out. Yeah. We also heard this episode from someone I wish we'd been able to interview sooner um, in the season, and that was Matthew Battle, the son of Dallas Battle. I was surprised, actually, when he reached out. Um, he sent us an email saying uh, that he had been listening to the podcast and, and asked if we could talk. I had no idea what he was going to say to us or how he felt about it, but certainly agreed to talk to him. And then we, we were able to meet him when we were down in Rome on this last trip. Yeah, we, we had reached out to other members of um, Dallas Battle's family, but not his children. And I wish now I'd thought to do so. But I I was surprised, too. I hadn't expected he'd want to talk to us, let alone want to sit down for a, a recorded interview. And, you know, he obviously his children were upset by some of what they've heard in the show. But he also recognized, I think, that we, we were unable to interview anyone on the record who may have had a better impression of his father. Um, so that was something that was not available to us in the first place. And he wanted to tell us a different version of his father, the one that he knew, and to give us whatever information he had about the case. Although he was upfront saying, I don't know much about it, but if I know something, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, he and Kane and Lee, were all, they're all about the same age. He didn't know Lee, but he did know Kane. He did know Kane, but you know, being the, being the same age, he wouldn't have known much about the case. I don't think, other than maybe what his dad had told him, or what he had heard, you know, at church or whatever. So yeah, he, he didn't have a lot of information he could provide about some of the questions we have about the case and the investigation of the case. But I think what he did say was important. Um, you know, if you take him for his word and he says, um, David Stewart wants to talk to us, but he can't. Um, I would love to talk to David Stewart. And I hope when the day comes that he can talk to us, that he'll give us a call. Yeah. I mean, what he said was consistent with our own experience. No one who works for Floyd County is willing to speak to us, um, who still works for them, that is. Yeah, but I don't know that. <laughs> I'm not sure that some of the people we spoke to want to talk to us, you know. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, I should clarify. It's not just, it's not necessarily that they want to talk to us and can't. For <laughs> There's certainly those who are just fine not speaking to us. Exactly. Um, but Matt Battle told us that David Stewart, who's a family friend of the, the Battles, um, you know, is aware of the case. And um, it sounds like he has information about the case that, you know, he remembers and would be potentially important investigation, but is unable to share that with us at this time. I thought it was a really interesting interview, but I was surprised that he did it. You know, there was some chatter on social media about um, why we included Matthew Battle's interview and whether or not it was the right thing to do. And he was just trying to make his dad look good. And 
my feeling is that um, he reached out to us. He had something to say and, and we wanted to hear what he had to say. And, um, you know, he of course loved his dad and by all counts, his dad loved him. And, um, and so I don't regret including the interview. I, I think it was the right call. No, absolutely not. And I think, you know, everyone who's listened to the podcast and has heard us talk about Dallas Battle's record, um, you can take that into account when when you listen to what Matthew has to say and 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 draw your own conclusions about it. Which uh, Matthew did acknowledge, um, just to uh, clarify, like he he said, yes, like my dad made mistakes, um, and his family accepted that and forgave him. Um, so he did acknowledge there were some severe errors in his father's conduct at times, but that his family had forgiven him and that in his mind that it's overshadowed by um, what Matthew thinks he did right while he was law enforcement. Um, it was interesting to hear, though, that his father would routinely go and view autopsies for his homicide cases. And I, I do, I really do believe that Battle would have wanted an autopsy here and that just increases the mystery of what really happened and why there wasn't one or supposedly wasn't one. It's so confusing because they testified that there wasn't one. So someone would have known. Someone knew whether or not there was an autopsy. Yep. And if that's the case, and someone was not honest under oath. But all big ifs. And until we find more documents, it might stay that way. So, well, I'm sure we'll be back in Rome again one day. Um, Jacinda's favorite bartender was there this last trip. And I keep waiting for him to listen to the, the show. He has. <laughs> yeah, has he, has he heard the time that you said no one in Rome can make a Manhattan, though? Okay, I'm taking that back. <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I did. I heard from the bartender. It turns out he didn't know this, but he has family who is close with Glenn. And uh, um, so they've been listening as well. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I've said it from day one that I really like Rome and uh, the people we've met. Um, have been very, very welcoming and nice. And um, I've grown very attached to Rome, Georgia, and I hope to be back soon. Yeah. Well, next time I'm there, I'll uh, be sure to try Manhattan and see if uh, your opinion's right or not. <laughs> um, Monday will be our final episode for season one of Proof. So be sure to listen to that. And uh, we'll be continuing to do some sidebars with updates about this case and other cases. And hopefully we will be back before too long with a season two. Yeah. And final episode on this case for now. Um, I very much hope that Lee and Kane will be back in court before the end of the year. And we'll be back to tell you all about it. Yeah, we'll keep everyone updated. And um, and I, I do hope and I do believe that there'll be you know, some progress in the case to, to bring to, to the audience. And um, we'll, we'll find out what our story for season two is going to be until then thanks for listening thanks for listening to this episode of proof sidebar if you have any questions for future sidebar episodes don't forget to send them our way through email twitter facebook or instagram on all social media we are proof crime pod you can find me on twitter at the beef metal 2 and on instagram at soosemp and you can now find Jacinda on Instagram, too, at Jacinda Proof. 